just wanted to talk, well, the title of my talk is Trust the Process. If I was allowed a second title or a subtitle, it might be Trust the Church. <clears throat> um, I was talking with Pastor Chaz once upon a time, and um, he was just, he was describing the church, it was similar to um, a person, the character of a church, the Life's, life's little journeys that we go on, the setbacks, the, um, the lessons learned, um, the growth, the challenging times, the happy times, the hard times, all that sort of thing. Um, much like a person going through life and their character, but at the, at the very centre, the very core of that character is, is a foundation of that character, a set of principles, a set of standards. And, um, and much like... Pastor Chaz and I were talking about that day. The Revival Fellowship has been through many layers of, of, of wonderful things, great things, and then some real challenging things, and, and we've come out the other side. Um, and through all that, through, through all those times, there's been that constancy, that, that steadfastness, that foundation that has been our character and our stronghold that has never moved. It has never budged, even through the hardest and the most difficult times. We're going to read about a guy here that budged away. He moved away. His father's father, King David. Um, King David had a great relationship, and he, he certainly had a journey. We heard about it on Sunday morning, the life of David before he was king and when he was king, and Saul coming after him and Saul wanting his life and Saul taking a spear at him. And just, just this... This story or this journey that David led that he never would have predicted would have happened to him. But yet, as we read on Sunday morning, he encouraged himself in the Lord. He went back to the sure foundation, the set of principles and the set of standards that he had. He then had a son, King Solomon. And Solomon, he, he had a large heart, it describes him as having, I don't think that's a physical heart, I think it's talking about he had a lot to give. He was the wisest man on all the land. He had a great relationship with God. Um, and, and he was known for this. He was known for his great wisdom and everything was great that surrounded him. And yet, um, I mean, there's a prayer of dedication a little bit before he moves into this period where he marries 699 wives more than he should have. And he, and he, and he loses that wisdom. But when things were well, he had a set of standards and a set of principles and, and the wisdom that can be gained from the ones that have gone before you, the wisdom that can be gained from the ones that can go or have gone before us, it's, it's priceless. And, and, they, and learning from their experiences and, and, and learning from their wisdom can save us a multitude of worries in life. And I, when, my, um, when I was a teenager, my dad was uh, very sick and he ended up passing away when I was 16 and a half. But I wasn't sure whether he would um, live or not. And anyway, um, I had asked dad whether he could pen me a letter um, and he ended up not having time to do that. But what he did do is he wrote just a couple of dot points that he was going to put in the letter to me. Um, and as it turns out, dot points suit me. I'm a dot point kind of guy in life. But one of the dot points was, was just a little thing that I took to my heart and I've, I, I, I guess I've, I've held it to my heart for a long time and it was, um, 
Whatever you find to do with your hands, do it with all your might. I mean, that's scriptural, but it was fatherly advice in this, in this little note. And um, whether I've done things rightly or wrongly throughout my life, I've done them with all my might. The, um, the, the wisdom that Dad passed down to me just with that little thing and a few other things, um, I've held to my heart. And, and God has put things in people's heart throughout the word that they will hold strong to. So when Solomon went and married way too many women than he should have, they turned his attention away from the true God, the living God. And God said, you've done the wrong thing. You're going to learn a lesson from this. The only benefit for you is the lesson that will be learned won't be in your lifetime. That then plays out in 1 Kings chapter 12. And in verse 1, talks about Rehoboam, who's, Solomon, um, who's Solomon's son, and it says, and we're just going to read one patch this morning, and Rehoboam went to Shechem in verse 1, for all Israel will come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, was, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of the king of Solomon, Jeroboam, dwelt in Egypt, that they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spoke unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father make our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he has put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. Your dad, Solomon, he was really hard to us. Just ease off the pedal a little bit, make our lives a little bit easier. You show us that you care for us, and we'll care back for you. You be a servant in a way, even though you're the king. You be a servant towards us, and you'll have a multitude of people that will be willing to serve you because you will have their hearts. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days and come again unto me. And the people departed, and King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while, yet, while he yet lived. So this is his dad's mates, and said, How do you advise that I may answer the people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou will be a servant unto the people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men, like he, he disregarded it, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were, that were growing up with him, and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give you that ye may answer the people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. And the young men that were growing up with him uh, spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak this people uh, unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father make our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thou shalt say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than thy father's loins. And now, whereas my father did laid you with heavy yoke, I would... I will add to your yoke. My father has chastised you with whips. I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him and spoke to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add upon your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people. The story goes on a little bit there. Basically, he had an opportunity here to serve the people and they would serve him. 
But yet what he has done in a moment of power tripping, of, of thinking he's the man of the moment, I don't know what went through his mind, but he disregarded the advice of the ones that went before him, the mates that stood by his dad when his dad was in the kingship. And instead he's gone to his mates that he's grown up with. You ever heard of advice shopping? You go to the place where you finally get the answer that you want and it gave him the opportunity to make him the man of the moment. But yet if he had only some foresight, he would have seen that that was going to be so detrimental to him and to his kingdom and to his name. And everything fell apart. The kingdom was split. They went, they went under the rule of someone else. And, and Rehoboam shows this opportunity lost here that you had opportunity to care for God's people, yet you threw it in their face. There are two pillars. Well, this talk is not about the Revival Fellowship. I'll just be a little bit specific briefly. There are two pillars that a church or when you're leading a group of people needs to stand between. And one is standing true and standing strong to God's word. And that is one pillar and that is a strong pillar we can never go away from. And the other pillar is serving the people, is caring for the sheep. No one knows how much you care until they know how much you care. Or no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Something like that. We must care for the sheep. We must care for each other. And I believe the Revival Fellowship has always held strong and true to those pillars for decades. There's someone I've been talking to for a while and um, he was finding criticism in the, in the church, in the assembly. And um, two things with that, I, I guess... Um, where you, you, where you look for criticism, you'll find it. And, um, and also we're, we're not perfect, so there's that, that's a fact as well. Um, but he was finding criticism fairly regular, fairly frequently. But yet at the same time that he was, he was sort of in that headspace, he also was talking to a mate, and this mate had just started going to a church, um, different church, and there was this sort of simultaneous journey that he went down where he's finding some criticisms in the assembly and he's talking to this mate who started going to another church. Time goes on, he, he learns that there is no power and there is no substance at all in this church. It, it is a mere social gathering. And, and we love getting together and socialising and all that sort of thing, one, one and a half metres away, um, glistening in, in hand sanitizer. But we're a little bit more than that. In fact, we're a lot more than that. And he realised that there is no power and no substance. And what he came back to in this journey is he came back to his relationship with his maker, where he encouraged himself in the Lord like David did before he was king. And isn't that the right place to be? Whereas rather than finding criticisms and critiquing things, and how the operation of the church should go or could go. What about just th throwing your trust in the process and the ones that have gone before us and that we're in a happy place here? Um, this year, I just wanted to mention a few dot points that I, just little or me, have seen just through my eyes this year. This has been a year where the church has really shone tremendously. In our little area, there was a group of younger 
generation ones that got together, called themselves the um, engine room. And this group, this little group of people, got the ones that don't know where the on switch is to an iPad. They got them up and running to be watching live streams from their own home. And it's not as easy as that. There's a lot of processes and um, a lot of conversations that go with all that. On a, on a bigger scale, there's been operational guys and teams throughout all the assemblies, Woodcroft, where I'm at, and all the assemblies that have been working diligently and hard to, 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 have, the, to have the sheep fed. Um, we've been finding ways to visit people. There was a, a house leader um, that got some sort of flagons of non-alcoholic grape juice and visited the people before we went into, uh, before we couldn't really see each other properly and, and then that was their communion juice on a Sunday. Like there, was, there was ways and means to care for the people, to, to care for the sheep. I saw a young man earlier in the year return from the Lord, from sort of trapped in his own space and um, in his own sort of isolation before COVID even started. For years on end, he'd been trapped in his bedroom behind a computer screen and he'd finally woken up and realised that there is a life to lead out here. Um, and, and he became free. He became happy again. Um, we saw, we received a phone call, a friend's mum of Angie's. Three in the morning, she got rushed, rushed to hospital. It looked like she could have died. There was a big black spot. Um, they, they wheeled her down. We had prayer. We got, a, we got a phone call within five to ten minutes after that that she got down and um, they looked at her when they, pro- they probably shouldn't have had time to look at her in this circumstance. It was very late on a Friday afternoon. And then that big black mass was gone. It was just gone where it was there before. They thought she was going to die. I've seen, um, I've seen a mate of mine who, who took a journey with our area and was reading some of the Gospels with us, a chapter a day. I've seen him unquestionably, undeniably, strongly, very strongly receive the Holy Spirit. That is a power from God, our living God. I've seen a woman that suffered dark, deep depression come out of it. Um, A faithful sister in the Lord because she decided not to give in. We can be tempted, particularly as younger ones, we can be tempted to um, compete and compare with other churches or with other bodies. I guess what I'm getting at is that's just my little viewpoint in life. If you clashed your heads together and talked about the stories and the stuff that you've seen just in 2020, there is a lot of stuff going on with our God. And this is a great place to be. And we don't need to critique, criticize, compare or compete. But we have the living God with us. And while it's not about the Revival Fellowship, I guess I don't want to steer away from backing up the Revival Fellowship. That between those two pillars, for some decades now, the stronghold of truth. You know, the Bible describes truth. It says, truth shall fall on the streets. We haven't let that truth fall on the streets. And we have two pillars. May we forever look after each other and stay strong to each other. And if you feel a little bit, as you're growing up, if you feel we're... We're not maybe as cool as some other places. There was a man that lived a long time ago. His name is Winston Churchill. And he says, he said this famous line. He said, you have enemies? Good. It means you've stood up for something in your life. In years to come, if you, if you are young, in years to come, you will be so proud of yourself for never giving in and never giving up and never going away from the truth. 
when you marry a husband or a, or a wife and you've got kids screaming their heads off down at camp 14 kilometres away from you while you're at your caravan dissolving yourself of any sort of parental responsibility in life, you know that they're in a safe place. You know that you've done the right thing. To a degree, you should probably be a bit more responsible. <laughs> when you're going through hardship at work or financial situations or sickness and your house leader or your area leader or your pastor drops through and has a coffee with you and, and shares one scripture or one story and some prayer, you know that you've come to the place where unlike Rehoboam, who cared only for himself and his status, that you are cared for. This, this year has been, um, it's just been a real great year for the church to shine, and I really do believe it has. And um, Scott Capon mentioned last night with his Halloween Texas mate how he was, um, years and years ago, his church was similar to this. But yet it dissolved, it fell down to the ground. And I think we're just left with two jobs. I think the one job is to let that never happen and to let the strength that has gone before us, um, that we just keep up that, that strength. Because um, we, we can never let it go and let, and let this be our foundation. And the second thing, we are called the Revival Fellowship. And it's exciting for all of us on an individual and a personal basis. And as a group, when people come in and their lives are changed, not by us with our words like Jesse was talking about, but by the simple, powerful, living God. So let us always be the revival fellowship. And uh, that's probably it for me.